Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi there, Hokie fans. I'm Tech Sideline founder Will Stewart. Welcome to TSL Podcast 240, where we'll talk about red-hot Hokie baseball, their regional championship, and their upcoming super regional against Oklahoma, plus the latest football and basketball news. It's all coming up in this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast, which starts right now. Welcome to the thrill ride that is a TSL podcast hosted by yours truly. I'm not good at it and I don't prepare for it, but fortunately I'm surrounded by experts. So let's introduce you to them. So guys, I want to do something different this time. I don't know why. I'm trying to add a little levity to the podcast. So I'm going to introduce you almost like pro wrestling style. Oh, great. Although I don't watch a lot of pro wrestling, so I probably shouldn't say that. So, so we'll be a little dramatic. You ready? And humorous at the same like in time. Like the left corner? Across the way, TSL managing editor and the man who loves Star Wars so much that one day he's going to write an entire article in Yoda speak, <laughs> David Cunningham. Everybody clap. No, I'm just kidding. Don't clap. To my right in the red shirt chair, TSL lead analyst and columnist, the man who has more muscle than a John Ruiz NIL contract. Like that? Nice. Chris Coleman. <laughs> In the fourth chair, sports media and analytics major and voice of the Radford Bobcats football team, the man for whom the phrase, what can Brown do for you, was invented, (laughs) Nick Brown. (laughs) Behind the scenes, my offspring, the man who has produced more podcasts than you have, the best podcast producer in the land when he gets out of bed on time, Malcolm Stewart. Now, for real pro wrestling interviews, we would have all needed intro music. Yeah, your, yeah, your yeah. walk-up music. Walk up, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all, right. Uh, all right. So that's. Uh, I was very excited about doing that. What'd you think? <laughs> Pretty cool. Was good. Different. Yeah. yeah. All right. So before Fun. we get to the sports stuff, we have to wish Jeff Holland a happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Jeff. Happy birthday, Jeff. Yeah. One of one of the most loyal podcast listeners and viewers that we have. He's probably on the live stream right now. If not, that's birthdays today. Birthdays today. Right. I'm guessing 48. We love June birthdays. My, my birthday was on Sunday. Ah, and Ronan, my son Ronan, his birthday is on June 17th. Nice. Yeah. Um, I let's see, Jeff redshirted. Good ding, for ding, him. ding 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 yeah. ding. Jeff redshirted. And uh, let's see, his last year was 1995, so he would have been 23. So I'm thinking 1972. Ooh, he's pushing 50. Jeff may be 50. Wow. So Jeff, uh, I think Jeff's 48 or 49. I think he's he, he, he enrolled at Tech in 91. 91. Yeah. He would have been 18, so that would have been 1973. So Jeff could be 49. Jeff, if you're watching, let us know how old you are. He is not in the chat yet. <laughs> Jeff Jeff Holland has not entered the chat. He's going to watch this on replay and be like, So anyway, happy birthday, Jeff. Jeff did one of the, the one of the most uh one, one of the most classic Tech Sideline podcasts. I looked it up this morning. It was number 54 back when we were audio only. And I've talked about it before. It was over two hours, which is which is a long podcast for us. 
and it was Jeff and I drinking beer, beer and yeah. just talking about stuff and cussing and everything. It's, it's quite the unique podcast, so I, I, I recommend <laughs> that you go uh, go listen to it. Fortunately, you can't watch it, <laughs> so number 54. Um, so how's everybody doing? Uh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm all right now. Right. Other than that, I'm good. So David and I will talk while Chris sneezes. Um, David, you went back home for your brother's graduation, right? Yeah. My brother's coming to tech next year. Study, he's going to study history. Is he? Yeah, right. He's going to study history. He'll be a freshman. My sister is currently, she'll be a junior next year. Studying What's your sister's name? Sarah? Sarah. Sarah. S- Sarah and Robert. Studying neuro, Sarah's studying neuroscience, double major neuroscience, and psychology. So she's the smart one. She's the smart one. She's is, is, is your younger brother the real arcana on Twitter? Yes. Well, <laughs> they, really they, both changed their, they both changed their, their usernames a while ago okay. to, like, to, I guess, humor me. Yeah. But so you're the real D kind of, she's the real S kind of, and he's going to be the real R kind of, yeah. or he already is. Yeah, he already is. So, What's but, so he's going to study history. Yeah. So she's studying. He's, he wants to be like an archaeologist. That's what oh. he, that's what he wants to study. Well, uh, don't we all? We all love dinosaurs. Yeah. He, so he wanted to, he wanted to go play, uh, play soccer in college, um, <laughs> but, uh, but decided to, to take the, the Virginia Tech route, which I can't blame him. Well, my, my friend Bruce McKinley wanted to be a pro football player, but he's an electrical engineer instead. <laughs> There's a whole story there that's hilarious. Um, so I was at the beach last week. That's why we didn't have a podcast. And uh, we did an interesting thing. So first of all, the whole family, I took the whole family last night to see Maverick, Top Gun Top Maverick. Gun Maverick. How who, was, who here has seen it? I have not yet. How was you have it? not yet. Friday. Okay, so two two of you haven't been and three of us have been. So I won't I won't. I want to go anything. soon. Was it good? Yeah. Well, before we get to that, to to prep the family, when we were at the beach, we took the Top Gun DVD, the original 1986 mm. Top Gun, and watched it. And I realized watching it, it's really not that good of a movie. It's 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 like uber uh, macho and the, the, cheesy. The comments are about to roll yeah, about in. The, about you're about to get blasted. Sacrilege. <laughs> all I will. All I will. The flying scenes were incredible. And For it, their day. It, yes. And it was well cast. Yes. So, you're talking about the original, The original, right? yeah. Yeah. So, but, but there's, there's, there's parts of it that are not that great, you know? Um, and so, but it was very cool to prep the, uh, none of the kids in the family had seen it. So there's a lot of, there's a, I wouldn't even call them Easter eggs. There's just a lot of references. It, it was and, my and favorite movie like as a kid. I even had the jacket, the leather pilot jacket and everything. Oh, we yeah. all, we all wanted to be Tom Cruise. Yes. It was awesome. So that was actually the first movie I ever saw in the theater, I believe. Really? Even though I barely remember it at all, I was three. You would have been, I was three when it oh, came out. Right. So I have a vague recollection of going in the theater <laughs> to see it, but I don't actually really remember watching it in the theater. But I, I do remember going. I think Malcolm's first movie was Neverland. It was a uh, an animated. I don't know. Anyway, let's let's not go on. The <laughs> let's talk about much. tech sports. People want to hear us talk about tech sports. So, um, like I said, we're going to talk about baseball. We're going to talk about the regional, where tech just smoked the field and. David's done his homework on Oklahoma, so we're going to preview that some as well. And But before we get to that, I do want to talk about there is some news in football and basketball that's happened the uh, last couple of weeks when, when we haven't been here. So what I wanted to dive in right off the bat was uh, some football notes. We'll get to a couple of personnel notes. Um, but I wanted to talk about some schedule information that came out um, and see what you guys thought. So... I think uh, if I remember correctly, the times and networks for five games got announced 
shortly yeah. after our last podcast. The, the first three weeks and two thir- the two Thursday night games. Right, right. So uh, first week is September 2nd, Friday. Yeah. At ODU, 7 p.m. Yeah. ESPNU. So three of those five we already knew. Yeah. Like the two Thursday night games we and knew were going to be at night, and the Friday night game we knew yeah. were, was going to be at night. Yeah. So so the the Friday information is not new. They had settled on Friday. They had, oh, set, they had settled on they Friday. They had settled on Friday, and they just, we, it was just timing. We didn't know TV whether it was going to be 7 or 7.30 or 8, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What or, do you think? Or what TV channel? I mean, uh, very cool. Yeah. Um, it, I'm down with that. You know what? I I, I think he, it's great. Here's what, here's what I will say. Kicking off, playing at ODU, I don't, you know, we can argue, you know, people can debate that one. But I will say, kicking off Labor Day on Friday, that'll be nice because you get Virginia Tech, especially for me. Like, I get Virginia Tech out of the way, can kind of just relax, watch all college football, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I'm going out on Thursday. I guess do some tailgating, go to the game on Friday. I'm going to sit on the beach all day. Yeah, there you go. Maybe parts you, of Sunday as well. You can kind of yeah. relax a little bit. Virginia, so. Virginia Beach? No, I'll go to Yorktown, Yorktown Beach. Yorktown Beach Virginia is Beach is too crowded. Yeah. Huh. Okay, now you got my gears turning. Now I'm thinking, I haven't planned anything. I know the TSL van <laughs> is going. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I I had a good time last time we went to ODU, and, the, and then the game started. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> you know, my favorite joke other than time. that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? You know, well, <laughs> I enjoyed my time there until they kicked off. Yeah. And it went south. Um, so, David, you'll be working. I'll be covering it. Yeah, yeah. you'll be working that one. So, poor guy, on, you got to stay sober. That's where I, well, I was on, I was on the field for the last time we were there. That's where the, uh, the unsportsmanlike conduct came from. Yeah. And when they, when they showed you, and then it was like unsportsmanlike <laughs> conduct, and then they had the camera cut. <laughs> that's to where you. it came from. <laughs> that used to be your Twitter header, right? Yeah. yeah. Or the, my, it used to be really my profile good. picture. Sometimes yeah. a Diablo fan account will still break that one out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, just, he's awesome. Um, so then we've got September 10th, Boston College at home, 8 p.m., ACC Network. Yeah, that Brent Price first game mm-hmm. yeah. at home in Lane Stadium, night game. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, the tailgate will be hot, of course, I guess, because it's September, but like you don't have to sit there. Like so many of those games, you get a home game the second week of the season, so it's always like September 10th. Yeah. And it's and like, it's, it's, and it's really and hot. And it's like and two it's in the afternoon. It's generally a snooze fest. Right, it's generally yeah. against some FCS opponent. You think you think, you think of Furman, Delaware, Rhode Island. Be there. Yeah, right. So, like, I mean, I remember one of the worst games I've ever watched in Lane Stadium was 2008 against Furman, <laughs> like 55 nothing or something. No, no, no. It was 24 to three. Oh, really? Tech was it's losing at halftime. Right? Or 24 to 10. I think they were up seven to three at halftime. <laughs> that was and it was seven to three, and you know, all they had offensively was Tyrod making something happen when the play call didn't work, right? That was one of those games upon um, which Brian Steinspring built his reputation. Uh, it was it was horrendous. And, and you know, take it back a couple of years uh, when Tech played. Oh, God, it was Furman again. Uh, Furman and Rhode Island. I was going to say, that's why Dang I brought Furman. up those games. Furman, Rhode Island. Uh, my, my, it was Old Dominion. Yeah, yeah Old, Old Dominion home, Just Delaware. really hot, and, yeah. and the game is like absolutely nothing happens. Well, this is different. This is Boston College. It's at night. September yeah. night game should be really, really nice. And I think that's a good way to get the uh, the Brent Pry era started with a home night game. I yeah, think that's yeah. great. I think that's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what the dynamics are over on Center Street. If they allow it. That is a, that, that's a home. That'll get mess. voted on in six days. The really? new, uh, the so new what do you know town about it? Like, can you fill us in with all the proper jargon? So I... I tried to look into it. Um, it was it's interesting. Uh, there's a new build proposed, and basically what it would mean is that 
every apartment or house on Center Street, um, if they plan to have more than 200 people for a tailgate, yes. Plan. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, they will have to file for a weekend permit and... Then uh, they'll register the leader of the apartment, the owner or whatever. One guy will write his name down. And then (laughs) that guy's liable. And then if someone complains about that specific apartment or house, then that guy gets in big trouble. Um, He'll probably be slapped with fine. I don't think he'll be arrested, Um, but he'll probably get a pretty big fine. Um, And so the worry is. You know, the people tailgating right there at the actual Center Street lot, the donors, they won't care. Whatever. They'll let it go. It'll be the townies that live across the street that'll be walking their little schnitzu dog (laughs) and then or biking on their bike in their biker shorts. And they'll complain. be like, ah, there's too many people here. No, no. Like if it's something, if it, I don't know what. Sorry, that was my. I I don't know what you could get like charged with for something like that i really if it's a noise violation i got a noise violation when i was in college or maybe the year after i graduated was that 50 bucks or what i don't remember what it was but it was ridiculous because it was uh oh gosh what's the holiday in march st patrick's Patrick's day Day? everybody was having a huge party in fox ridge there were people (laughs) spilling over outside from apartments and for some reason i got the noise violation even though my my apartment our party was totally indoors. They, it's, well, it's, it's, to it's one of my neighbors called. And the crazy <laughs> thing is I invited every single neighbor to the party. But, uh, and, 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 and said that, by the way, we're going to have a party the, the, this weekend, St. Patrick's Day. You're more than welcome to come. I don't, I don't remember what any of them said. No, <laughs> nobody said, oh, please don't have a party. Um, but then I guess one of them called the cops. All you do is pass the hat around and everybody chips in to pay your fine. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right. So so if this is what that is, that's if, if you're threatened yeah, with a noise yeah. violation, that's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's coming yeah. up in six It'll, days. So that'll be voted on. Like and this will be the first, I guess, law regarding parties on campus since the famous Stonegate law right. back oh, in 92. Yeah. That I was see, my parents' I don't senior year. So I don't know that one. Shut down Stonegate, and now I'm shutting down Center Street, I guess. But, I remember Stonegate, I think, sort of. It, I remember it existed. I've heard of it. <laughs> what, what happened? It was just a massive street party. party. It's like street four party. apartments surrounding a parking lot, and yeah. apparently, I don't know, my parents said it's it was Because Stonegate crazy. is, uh, it's kind of back towards the village. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I know where, you know where it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was a hell of a lot of fun, we'll put it that way. Yeah. So, uh so that's part of the dynamic. So it will be interesting tailgating at night, like, like tailgating leading up to a night game, though. Oh, like twilight that, tailgate. Yeah, that'll be a lot different than the following week when it's an 11 a.m. <laughs> kickoff against Wofford. 7 a.m. beers. So yes. Um. So the so the <laughs> night game against BC. Uh. One thing I'm looking forward to is, you know, the students who are in, in the north end zone won't get fried. Yeah. You know. So the well, not by the sun. I mean. They might be fried, but but not by the sun. So we'll see if they hang in there. So uh, so next week, uh, Wofford, eleven a.m. That the you know right, what? I don't mind right. it though. It's not going to make a difference whether it's eleven a.m. or noon. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but I because agree. the tailgate, all the games like that, there's not much of a pregame atmosphere anyway. Especially yeah. when you've got the home opener the week before, which is a big night game, and everybody's going to go all out for that. Five days later, you got West Virginia on a Thursday night. Everybody's going to go all, so all this out for is that. This like, is the game that everybody takes off and recharges the battery. So yeah. it doesn't matter whether it's at 11 a.m. or noon. Yeah. So I was actually talking to a buddy of mine yesterday. I like the that. Bristol races are I was about to say, I, I'm planning on going. It's a Bristol night race that day. Oh, sweet. And so, 
So you can cover the game and then I can cover the game, hop in the car with my friends. I can work while they drive Mm -hmm. and I can get down to Bristol and still have time, still have like a couple hours to tailgate before the Bristol night race that night. So will you write that game recap in Yoda speak? Uh, Probably not. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, I brought that conversation to a grinding uh, halt. (laughs) Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll I'll think about doing it at some point if you really want me to. I I don't know that anybody's really going to do seven. Uh, I think it's a, it, let me check. It's uh, it's a late race though, and that'll be nice. And again, it's like it's waff. It's a it's a FCS game. It's you no, don't necessarily need to play it early. Not nobody's gonna read much into this game unless something bad happens. Nicks. Exactly, so. unless you're only winning seven to three at halftime. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> let's yeah. hope not. Yeah. So interesting. That's also on the ACC network. Which, so uh, re- refresh my memory. Did Comcast have the ACC network during the last football season? I believe they did. I think they added it before last football season, like last yes. summer. Yeah, I believe okay. they, yeah. they added so it at the beginning. Is, is this going to be a new regular ACC network time slot, or are they going to have an 11 o'clock game every week? Uh, good question. Yeah, I, that, I, don't, that, I don't know. That would I be my guess. It. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm fine with it for this specific game. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want Virginia Tech versus you know, North Carolina or somebody t- yeah, <laughs> kicking yeah, off sure. at 11 a.m. That sounds ridiculous. Something that matters. Yeah. So, well, so the rundown for the rest of those games that weekend, and just in the ACC, um, the ACC, ACC network has time slots at 11, 2, that's ODU Virginia, uh, 5, Liberty and Wake, uh, and 8, Louisiana okay. Tech Clemson. So, so they're kind of starting a game at 11, they can get three can games get, in in the day instead of four. four no, they can get four games in instead of two. Instead of three. Instead of three, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so, they're, so them putting the Tech game at 11 a.m. gets them two, five, and eight games as well. Wait a minute. That actually sounds like the smart thing to do. I know. How strange, right? Yeah. Oh, and there are going to be some angry fan bases, though, because football games aren't over with in three hours. Well, yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. you're going to miss what, like whatever game starts at two. You're going to, if you're trying to watch that game as a fan of that team, you're going to miss the first quarter because they're still showing Virginia Tech versus Wofford versus a five touchdown game. In the well, the quarter. game that following is Old Dominion, Virginia. Oh, that's cool. Then. <laughs> <laughs> the Sabres going to be mad. All right. And then, uh, it's then five days and then West Virginia, West Virginia. 7.30 PM on September the 22nd, Thursday. So very cool. That's ESPN, right? Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah, that, that that should be great. I can't think of a better way to, I don't want to say restart because this re, is the re, last game of the series. It's been scheduled. Rejuvenate a rival. Right. right then, yeah. uh, their first time back in Lane Stadium since 2004 and will be a night, night game. That'll yeah. be great. That sounds dangerous. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I think it'll be okay. Yeah. Um, it'll be we'll fun. be fine. It'll be fun. As long as they keep Richie Davis away from the stadium, everything will be fine. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Right. Actually, you might be you might be getting more trouble if they try to keep him away from the stadium. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it would cause more trouble if they don't let him in. Oh, and then the other – so the other uh, – again, this is something you're, we already knew. It was October 27th, Thursday, against uh, – at, at NC State, State 7.30 yeah. p.m. ESPN. That'll be cool. I think uh, I think be, I'll probably wind up tailgating down in, in Raleigh that day. That'll dark be horse pick for the Atlantic. Or yeah. I don't know if I'd say dark horse. No, I I mean they've but, got the they might have the best quarterback yeah, in the yeah. ACC. And, and if you look at Clemson, I mean they lost both coordinators. Yeah, yeah. they've so they've had a. Big, so, they're coming off a down year by Clemson standards last year, and a bunch of new coaches. You don't know exactly what you're going to get with Clemson this year, and NC State. 
you know, if it was just a few years ago, they wanted Doran fired, and they've had a really good program since yeah. then. Yeah, yeah, he's really he's really got that program going. So, yeah. uh, anybody who remembers the ACC last year, why didn't NC State win the Atlantic last year? Was Wake that good? Like, did Wake beat NC State? Wake lost to Clemson. I don't remember who else they lost and to. Beat everybody else. Yeah, it was a really yeah. close race, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. Like Wake only beat them. Wake only won by like. If one, only we had somebody in a fourth chair with a computer on their lap who could look it up. <sighs> who could Google. 2022 Atlantic Division standings. What can Brown do uh, for you? Oh yeah, so uh, Wake was seven and one. NC State was NC State and Clemson were six okay. and two. That's right. So it was, it was NC a, State beat Clemson. And, and, and oh, Wake beat uh, Wake beat uh, NC State at home in November by a field goal. Right. Yeah. It was wow. it was the 45 42 game. And people remember Wake losing to UNC, but that game didn't count in the ACC standings. Right. Yeah. Well, and then the Boston College game after they got smacked by Clemson. At Clemson, they went to Boston College, and that was when the game kind of like decided. Mm-hmm. So Wake, I think NC State won earlier that day, or some, or they they had to win, and Boston College had to beat Wake, right? And then Wake went and won forty one. There was nine hundred yards so, of total yeah. offense in that Wake NC State yeah. game. Wow. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to being there. And I've never been to a game at NC State. I yeah, have, I haven't either. I have not either. I will. I mean, I I went and covered the uh, the basketball game there this year, mm-hmm. and I feel NC State. I feel like is a very similar fan base to Virginia. State. Similar size stadiums. It's a state yeah. school. Yeah, they so, they, so they just get, they're very rowdy and they're your very state rival is the hoity-toity academic university. You know, so Virginia Tech versus NC State. I feel like there's a lot of uh, common ground yeah. there. Uh, which we play them more often. Although you know, if the ACC switches to yeah to this new the scheduling format, model, yeah. then then they would. So have we have we talked about that scheduling format? We have we have They're talking about three five five, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So where you have you, three opponents you play regularly yeah. and you rotate five and five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that'd be a good I think that'd be a good model. I mean, of course, we could debate whether. Yeah, I think I think he, here's the bottom line: if you go to that model, you would think Virginia Tech's going to get. Virginia, Miami, and then a third school. Maybe North Carolina, maybe NC State. It's going to be Boston College, guys. Don't yeah. get your hopes But up. then you play five teams the next year and then five teams the following year. Right. So you would get Florida – you know, like if Virginia Tech got Clemson one year and Florida State the next year, you yeah. know, I think it would yeah. – I think it might would, would help keep the ACC a little fresh. Correct. And – at that point, if you, if you're paying playing other ACC teams that often, it doesn't matter whether Boston College is one of your crossovers because you're going to be playing the other teams often enough yeah. that you're not going to think about that. That's much. true. Now, That's yeah. true. I mean, what really makes you think about? Oh my God, how often do we play Boston College every year? Why? It's the fact that Florida State has not come to Lane Stadium since, since 2012. 2012. Yeah, right. it's the fact that Louisville has, has never, never come. come. To, in fact, yeah. under the current scheduling model, they're not even scheduled to come to Lane Stadium. No, we've got right? future schedules on Tech Sideline and Louisville and Lane it, Stadium even is on not it. there. Right. Right. It's like it's like the and I don't even think tech was would tech have played them in twenty twenty were not were it not for COVID. I don't remember if that game I think was so. Yeah, Louisville scheduled. was a scheduled okay, game. Okay, Clemson okay. was a game that tech tech wasn't supposed to host Clemson right, that year. That's right, and tech right, picked that's up right. Clemson. So, I thought it's, it's tech like, did play Louisville during the COVID. They year. did. You know, he was right. he was basically saying if it was no COVID, would they still play? So it's like Notre Dame's not in the ACC for football, but we play Notre Dame more often than Florida State and Louisville yeah, and and Clemson. Uh, So, yeah, I think this scheduling model sounds really good, and I think it's long overdue. Well, I've said for years I can't believe ESPN did not force Force the ACC to, you know, uh, uh, schedule Tech and Clemson and Tech and Florida State more often. Yeah. All right, so we beat that to death. Excellent. Good discussion. Uh, um, 
Football season is three months away. Football media days are today is June eighth. Football media away. days are July twentieth. Yeah. Wow. So we'll be in Charlotte for that. Um, so let's go through a couple of uh, personnel notes. I, I don't know, Chris. It's kind of up, kind of up to you and David how much you want to talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, to, so, so we'll get to the what I consider the smaller piece of news, and that's Reed Pulliam uh, not coming back to the team. Reed was a member of the last yes the, recruiting class. He signed in December. Just signed in December, rolled in January. Lasted was, a week or so on the team. Was not on the roster for spring football, right. and is officially. Yeah. Cut loose, according to Brent Price. Some guys wash out of college after a semester. Some guys are out off the football team after a semester. Some guys wash out after a week or two, yeah. I guess. And uh, I've got, I don't know what happened, but clearly Brent Pry has a very short leash. Yeah, we um, saw that with Rashad Purnell. Yeah, so yeah, let's, yeah, let's talk about Rashad. Yeah, yeah uh, an, another situation that seems kind of like a short leash. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think Pry would have offered Poem. Pro, yeah, if, if he had been, so Fuente offered him. Yes, yeah, he's he, a Fuente offer, he, he and he was the only linebacker that Virginia Tech yeah, signed of the class. So, yeah. so like, like I, I don't, th- I don't really view him as a guy that that Pry would have offered. Maybe I'm wrong. And when you're in a scholarship crunch, and somebody gives you a reason for you to run them off, so to speak, yeah. and it's a guy you wouldn't maybe wouldn't have recruited in the first place. Yeah, maybe. Maybe your short leash in that case is intentional. Now, the one that surprised me is Purnell. Rashad Purnell. Rashad yeah. Purnell, defensive oh. so, tackle from Highland Springs. And he announced uh, well, it was a day or two days after I wrote an article about Highland Springs highlighting the fact that 100% of their players have gone on to successful college careers at Power 5 schools since the 2015 recruiting class. Right. So within a day or two, I wrote like that. Like six for at, six or something like that. It was that. like eight for eight. Yeah. Uh, and Purnell announces that. He's not coming. He's not and coming. You're right. He he announced his decommitment, which is his just wording a, was. I've got it in quotes here. I will be decommitting and reopening my recruitment. The the actuality is is Virginia Tech decommitted from Rashad Purnell. Yeah. Yes, they it, let him yeah. out of his. Uh, Pr- and Pry had some comments on it last week to Andy Bitter and Mike Nizielek, and he said he just didn't feel good about it right now, and he didn't go into any, any details. I don't know what the issue was. Yeah. I know clearly, I know, clearly something off the field. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I saw. Yeah, because I think Purnell's a good player, yeah. and I, I think he's a good fit for the scheme from an important high school. Um, I saw him. He was in Bull and Bones at the event the night before the spring game. He was at the spring game and got introduced to the Lane Stadium crowd. We got a picture of him waving to the crowd and everything like that. So I have no idea what happened. Um, but, again, it's, it's it's it seems like, without knowing the details, a pretty short leash. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's that's something to monitor. It's interesting. Going I think it's interesting, especially because one of the things that it wasn't brought up frequently, but one of the things that was mentioned every now and then in the last era was discipline mm-hmm. and how players weren't disciplined. And you tell the story of a, a player getting upset when he was disciplined, right? And and I think holding players accountable. I mean, not yeah. just in football, but across all sports, it's important. And you know, a short leash. Now I gotta say this, Tech fans. We're really angry with Justin Fuente when Cam Good enrolled and was gone within a month. Yeah. Because he was, you know, not holding up to the standards of strength and conditioning in the offseason. Fuente took a lot of heat for basically, uh, I, I don't know whether that was a mutual decision or a Cam Good decision or a Justin Fuente decision, but it was obviously the coaching staff were 
hold, trying to hold him to a very high standard. And yeah. then he eventually left, transferred to UCF. He's now transferred again to, I think, Michigan. I think Michigan, So yeah. this was a good player, a good player that could not take Virginia Tech's strength and conditioning program. Uh, and Fuente caught a lot of heat for that yeah. incident. So here we see Brent Pry again, short leash for a couple of these guys. Mm. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. All right. So moving on, let's talk about basketball and pop quiz. What's the big news in basketball? Justin Since Mutz. the last podcast, Justin Mutz. David Gasson. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Mutz coming back. Um, finally announcing. And I don't know. I thought Mutz got robbed because his agent leaked it to uh, Rothstein first. And uh, then before Justin even got to do an interview, his his dad talked to Mark Berman. So finally we got to hear from Justin and Chris, you interviewed him, and what did he have to say about his decision to come back? You know, it was it was one of those things. Uh, he told what stood out to me is like uh, he said he felt good about his decision either way. Um, he didn't he didn't come back because he had to. He came back because he wanted to, and that's really the quote that stood out to me. You know, he could have played professional basketball this year overseas somewhere. Um, yeah, or, or maybe even in the G League. I, I don't know. Uh, but you know, he thought he thought he he told me he had a thought he had a really good summer going against some some guys. They're going to be picked in the NBA draft. So he feels like he's more confident in his game right now because he played well against those guys this summer. Yeah. Um, and think about Justin from a from a professional basketball standpoint, at least as far as the NBA goes. You know, you know, he's six 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 seven power forward that's not really projectable when it comes to the nba yeah um, i think i think shooting is probably the where he right. where he needs to add a little bit more. right right yeah you know if he wanted to be an undersized four at that level he would have to improve his outside shooting he's a good enough shooter right now when you leave him open he's a threat you have to guard him yeah, yeah. right um but but he's not it's still not nba levels for an undersized power forward so that would be something he could work on to improve his game but at any rate it's like I always kind of assumed that Aluma would go. I, I didn't know about Mutz, but now, you know, you're sitting there, what's the roster going to look like next year? You're trying to break it down. You're trying to figure out the rotations. You're trying to figure out how the team's going to play without Mutz. And he waited until basically the deadline yeah. to announce his decision or come up with this decision. So you haven't forgotten about him, but there reaches a point where you're like, yeah, he's probably not coming back. So I'm going to move on with my thinking. And now that he's decided to come back, in my mind, it's almost like getting an extra transfer. Yeah, really good end. transfer yeah, yeah. from the portal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. at yeah. the end, because you weren't really expecting it. So yeah. very excited about it. I think it, uh, it adds. It adds. Uh, but it, <laughs> it, it brings <laughs> well, a lot back. I think for so long we were looking at it as this is a Virginia Tech team. I think everybody was – I think a lot of us, we were looking at it without Justin in the picture and just mm. saying, what is this team going to look like without Justin's decision. Mm -hmm. And it was a team that needed some size. You know, you bringing Basili, Grant Basili from Wright State mm -hmm. in the front court. He can be your five, but you needed a power forward. And I think that's also, you know, David Gasson got up and left. He went to Kansas State. Um, but So I missed that. Gasson Gasson transferred to Can Kansas State. State. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he was kind of waiting on, I think, Justin's decision because I think if Justin had gone he might have come back because right. then you know, he, I think it was to the point where he didn't really want to sit behind Justin Kansas anymore. State right. interesting so yeah Mutt's coming back you know it gives them the luxury to, of using Camden as a three yeah if, if they John Camden. need to John do that Camden. there's also uh you're if he had not come back and then Mutt's had 
not come, or excuse me, and Gasson not, not come back. back. No. You're looking at like a, you're talking about a completely different Virginia Tech front court from a personnel yeah. standpoint. Yeah. I mean, in the entire two. Now days. there's at least some familiarity. There's You've some got familiarity. a guy who's played in the system for two years. Yeah. So David, name the starting five and what you see as the backups. I know Chris can do okay. it. Okay. Uh, Sean Padua at the point, uh, Hunter Couture and Darius Maddox on the wings, Justin Mutz at the four, and Grant Basili at the five. Right. Yep. And then who's, so, who's backing him and, up? And, what, and you think about that, Sean Padua is the youngest guy. Right. You know, True the least more. experienced guy, but he just sat, you know, we saw how much he progressed towards the end we of the season. We saw how good he is. And we saw how good, we got a flash of how good he is. Um, and he sat behind and learned from Storm Murphy, you know. Um, a very experienced player in his own right. Darius Maddox, we saw flashes. Uh, we saw how good he can be, especially towards late in the season. Hunter Couture, need I say more, tournaments, most out, ACC tournaments, most outstanding player. And then Basili put up great numbers at Wright State, and he's got the body we've re- we've talked about. He can really before. shoot it. He can really shoot the ball. He's maybe a little upgrade of, from, right. from a Luma in some certain areas. Backups is interesting. I think Rodney Rice will add... He's a combo guard, so he's got a little bit more ball handling skills, but he can also be a guy that can slide out on the wing. And John Camden depends on kind of where Mike Young wants to use him. You can play him as a three because he's got that ball handling ability. He can shoot the ball, but you could also, in a smaller lineup, play him at at the four. Um, And I think for minutes purposes, you know, Malijo Poteet, try to say that a lot, Um, he's – going to be the five he and Lynn Kidd are kind of going to be the guys at the five providing some more front court depth and I I'm interested to see Lynn Kidd and I know you've talked about this a little bit in one of the last articles you wrote I'm interested to see what steps Lynn Kidd can take this year because this will be his second year in the program but he was at Clemson originally what steps does does he take um to improve his game um, because one of those guys is going to have to step up and, and play some pretty big minutes kind of backing up Basili. But yeah, overall, uh, it's, it's an experienced group. We got that question for the, uh, for the Q&A last week, and I answered it. And my starting five was the same as David's. My first two guys off the bench were the same as David's. Uh, David's Which uh, is Rice and Camden? Yeah. That's correct. Right. And, and Rice in, in the backcourt, because he can play all three of those positions. Yeah. He, he can conceivably come in for Hunter Couture, for Darius Maddox, or, or Sean for Padua. Sean Padua. Yeah. Um, nice. And so, so like, he's technically Tech's backup point guard this year, except you can also play your backup point guard with your starting point guard yeah. on the court at the same time. Tech did that a little bit last year with, with Padula and Murphy, but, but not too But not much. much. This right. will be really interesting to see because there could – I think this is the best ball handling group Mike Young has had at Virginia Tech. You know, like yeah. you think back a couple of years ago, Mike Young's first year, um, he had Wabisa Beatty, yeah. but behind him, like overall, Jalen Cohn, not a necessarily a true point right. guard. There wasn't necessarily another guy that was comfortable handling the ball constantly. Mm. Now you've got Padua, you've got Rodney Rice, right. and if you needed to, Hunter Couture can handle the ball well enough. So it's a pretty solid group yeah. there. Now we and, haven't we haven't mentioned Darren Buchanan yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see. Um, minutes at that four spot are going to be interesting. How much do you play Camden there? Camden there, or is he mostly a three right away? Yeah, I, I don't know. If if he's mostly a three right away, and he's playing as more of a traditional small forward, then there is playing time available as much as backup. 
Right. Um, now the eighth man in the rotation off the top of my head is either going is the somebody's got a backup center because nobody in the those top seven players that we just talked about were or fives. Yeah, that's right, and that's so why I brought either, up kid, kid, be, kid, exactly. And uh, I think it's it's whoever develops more over the summer, that, right? You know, and, and if you're playing a team of giants like Florida State, and you need to go bigger, you know. A guy like Petit gives you some more options because yeah. Basili could also drop down and play the four if you needed him to. If you wanted so, to go big, if you wanted yeah. to go really big, so I think there's there's more versatility to this roster than there was last year's problem uh, roster as far as positional versatility. And I think one of the, I think one of the biggest pluses is that none of the freshmen are going to be rushed into playing right away. You're going right. to. Obviously, Rodney Rice. He's going to play a lot, time. but he's not going to have to play 32 minutes a game. Yeah. Right. yeah. Darren, Darren Buchanan, if he gets his opportunity, same with MJ Collins or Patrick Wessler. Oh, I left out Collins. You yeah. know, I, I think those, you know, the wing is so loaded that you're not going to need MJ Collins to step in and play right away. Right. You're not going to need Patrick Wessler to step in and try to play right away. Those guys have time to develop. I yeah. think that is that's huge because imagine if you don't get a, a guy like Justin Mutz or you don't get a guy like Basili out of the portal. You know, that's a. A position where you don't have much depth and you might ha- be having to play some freshmen some e- extra minutes now theoretically speaking because tech has three centers who are upperclassmen <laughs> you could redshirt patrick wessler push the button in theory <laughs> all right in theory you could um now basketball players normally don't you redshirt don't, yeah. unless they're hurt but you know big guys Generally speaking, it takes them longer to develop than guards. I mean, look at the case of our very own Kevin Aluma. Nah. I mean, he was a good, solid player. But for he didn't Wofford. come into his he own. He was never a scorer until year. his fourth year in college. Yeah. After he redshirted at Virginia Tech during his transfer year, yeah. you know, he was not a double-figure scorer for, for Wofford. You can even go back to Zach Lede. Who averaged like three or four points a game at South Florida, and then comes and after here, he came to Virginia, red redshirt, shirt, red shirt. and then in his yeah. fourth year, it becomes a double-figure score. So yeah. Patrick Wessler is a guy who rated about the same, maybe even a little lower than uh, oh my gosh, Lynn Kidd coming out of yeah. high school. And I know people see seven feet right next to uh, his name. <laughs> I, I'm like, how about how much Virginia Tech basketball have you watched the last twenty years? <laughs> We've every seven footer we've recruited has been a terrible basketball player. Yeah. And I'm not saying Patrick was some respect on Robert Cravendon. Oh, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, the but, magical length border. Right. Okay. And I'm not saying Patrick Wessler is terrible. That's not what right. I'm saying yeah. at all. He's a developable player, but, but, but don't but, look at seven feet and say, and he's going to be great. He's go- yeah. Right. Yeah. He's going to jump in already because he's got some developing to do. Yeah. And if he chooses to take advantage of it, then I think he's going to have a chance to, to develop for a couple of years and then step in and be a good player for Virginia Tech. And they have the luxury of redshirting him this year. And you I hope think, he's open to it. Basili has another year after this. He is a COVID year. Oh, he's he got wants. two more, right? right? If he chooses. If he wants them. If he yeah, wants yeah, yeah. So, so I think there's a lot of – I think that's huge that you don't have to necessarily rush a guy in if he's not prepared. If he turns out to develop really fast and be, you know, by all means. Talking about Wexler? Yeah, yeah. Wexler. Or, I mean, any of the Wexler. freshmen, really. You know, if if somebody comes out of the woodwork and just shines. Sure. You know, but I think right. it's really interesting the way you look at a guy like Darius Maddox. It took him a lot of time to learn the system. Right. To, especially defensively. We've seen so many of these guys, like I think Jalen Cohn's a great example. A lot of times he was a defensive liability, you know, and in Mike Young's system, you have to be able to be 
well offensively, but you can't slack off on the defensive end. And I think we saw Darius Maddox improve on that end over the course of this year, Definitely, and that's why yeah. that's why he got more playing time. But it took him a year and a half as yeah. a guard, and it's, it's a, easier to step in right away as yeah. a guard as it is a sub. So it, it'll yeah. be really interesting to see how quickly the guys develop, but the good news is you don't have to throw them in the fire. Right now, true, that's true or false, expectations will be higher for this oh, team. Oh, absolutely than they were true. For, true. Yeah, because, I mean, they just won the ACC. They won the ACC. And, yeah, and Mutz is coming back. Yeah. Uh, and... I think most people in the fan base consider Maddox to be an upgrade on a lean. Yeah. And, yep. you know, most people, when they look at the box score, they just look at points and shooting percentage. And from that standpoint, he probably will be an upgrade. Um, but the little I, things that basketball coaches look at, I don't know. I know Nahima Lean started 84 of his 90 games at Virginia Tech, started every game the last two years for an NCAA tournament team, for an ACC tournament champion yeah and now he's going to UConn which is a really really good program Naheem Delane's a good basketball player he's a good basketball player that sometimes can get into really rough shooting stretches that doesn't mean he that doesn't mean he doesn't do other things very very well because he would not have been on the court if if he didn't do other things very well but but I, I do think Maddox has a chance to, you know, if he continues to progress to develop, in the yeah. other areas of the game, does have a chance to be an upgrade. Higher ceiling. I, I th- you know, Padula's more athletic than Storm. He's got a higher Murphy. ceiling than and, Storm. And, and put, right, put, right. Yeah, put, well, you got to think. I mean, they were playing, obviously, Storm Murphy's got the leadership. He's got the experience. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing he didn't have. But but the differences in, in the way Murphy ran it and Padula ran it, the same offense, the differences. I mean, Padula, I remember distinctly the North Carolina game. In Chapel Hill, Padula, Tech gets to Tech. Uh, North Carolina is pushing in transition. Tech gets a steal, ball, or missed shot, Aluma rebound, kick out to Padula, and instead of you know kind of slowing it down, Padula pushes it straight down the floor, mm-hmm. and he creates. Uh, I think uh, I don't think it was and one or anything, but he creates a transition bucket. I think for Kevin Aluma, yeah. those. I think this this team. With Padula has another year under his belt. Basili is an upgrade shooting wise over Kevin Luma, has more range. I think this might be the best team to fit Mike Young's system that he's had at Virginia Tech. You could say that. And I, I th- like I said, more positional versati- versatility too. Yeah. Also, more front court depth. Last year, Virginia Tech only played three guys on a regular basis in the front court. And Virginia Tech and, was very fortunate that nobody got hurt. Right, right. You know, Gasson would be, you know, basically first guy off first and only guy off the bench in the front court and he would play he was the backup four and he was the backup five yeah which is not a role he's suited for playing the five yeah now virginia tech has two potential backups at the five and you know they've got a couple guys who could potentially fill in at At the the four spot as well so there's more front court depth too yeah i mean i'm gonna go out and pick them to win the acc tournament again because we know tournament baseball it's you know can be kind of a a crapshoot but uh this is in my mind now it's, that now that promising. now that Mutz is coming back, it they look like a darn good team. Yeah, and I'm fully expecting to be talking about raising another banner. Awesome, another NCAA. And, yeah. So we got to we got to cut that short because we need to get to baseball. But Nick, uh, what brilliance do you have for us over in the fourth chair? Um, a couple of uh, old party stories, and we got to talk oh, about Lord. that, of course. Uh, and then uh, someone posed the question: Would you rather be Iceman? Or Maverick. I can't say Before that. I, with, I, I can't stuff. say that without giving up a spoiler for the second movie. 
(laughs) If you just watch the first one. Just Just watch watch the first one. Iceman was number one. Uh, I would rather be Iceman. Maverick seemed to have... uh, He's got always had too much on his mind. You know, too much stuff bothering him. Iceman just... Well, he was Iceman, right? Yeah. Nothing ever bothered the guy. Yeah, yeah. So I think from a, from a mental health perspective, I would rather be Iceman. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go with Maverick, and this isn't exactly a spoiler. Um, I'm not that big of a Kelly McGillis fan, but I am a huge Jennifer Connelly fan, and Maverick gets <laughs> to have a relationship with Jennifer Connelly, who is aging very well. She is. Yeah. I, I looked her up. She's like, 50-something? She doesn't look it. 51. We, look, we looked her up on the way home last night because Kelly McGillis is 64. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't want to be unkind, but she looks every bit of it, and that's why she's one of the previous characters you didn't see in this movie. And I think she said that herself. But anyway. Uh, Any other good uh, questions? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, I also wanted to point out that this is the Pete Hughes series, by the way, it for is. baseball. Yeah. Uh, so last time P. Oklahoma, Hughes. last time Oklahoma P. played, I thought he said PQs. No, P. no, no. Hughes, last time, way. the last year Oklahoma went to a super regional was 2013. Uh-huh. They beat Virginia Tech to get there. Yeah, and then they stole our coach. And then he and then left right later. after that. Yeah, yeah. to go. And yeah. uh, he had a nice 127, 105, one record there. Yeah, yeah it didn't work stuff. out for him there, but he's at he's at Kansas, he's at Kansas State. State. Yeah, yeah, and he was there when a lot of sanctions were happening with the program. It was yeah. it was a weird time. But yeah, he's rebuilding Kansas State uh, and and doing well. Of course, everybody's excited about your ticket rant uh, coming on. We'll get to that in the second half. And then uh, Scott Glessner, of course, uh, the man, Mr. Legend, wanted to talk about football, and we were talking about it. Um, and we play uh, on September 2nd. Virginia Tech is 3-0 and on September 2nd. Akron, Akron, and Northeastern. So There you go. That's there you go. tough competition right yeah. there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, but then I wanted to save a lot of the baseball stuff for – Second half. Second half. We'll do that. All right. So we're going to take a break, and uh, we'll be right back talking about the uh, Tex regional win in baseball and upcoming Super Regional against Oklahoma. Welcome back to the Tex Sideline Podcast, where I am in day three of No Diet Mountain Dew. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so I told a buddy of mine I'd, I'd given it up, and he said, "Why did you give up the Green Lady?" <laughs> I, I, I tried to call that. I, uh, I drank a soda Liberty? this weekend for the first time in probably over a year. Were you bouncing off the walls after you did that? Uh, I needed something to. It was at a baseball game. Yeah, four and, and a half I, hour I baseball game to, to uh, pour <clears throat> something else in. So I bought a soda. Gotcha, smart <laughs> man. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So, oh, by the way, I meant to mention that Chris is overtaking you as the TV personality of, of Tech Sideline. Well, I wasn't there. Chris got some <laughs> That's true. He wasn't I there. I wasn't there. He, 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 probably, he probably would have caught like five foul balls if he'd been there. Take take a break, man, and, and, and you lose the throne. You just uh, can't you, do You know it. who's getting all the home run balls in regionals this past Ooh. week? It was Avon. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. He, he, I think he tweeted that he got two of them. Yeah, yeah, because he's, two, two he's got a little stand out there in, in left center where he takes pictures from. Huh. So both the – I think it was the – He took some really good the pictures. The Showbull and, and the – I forget which two home runs he, he caught. Kate he, Hunter, he, maybe? Yeah, yeah maybe. I don't remember, but he got two of them. He rolled out there and, and after they were hit and found the ball. Nice. So he didn't catch them, per se. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, shout out Russian Hokie. Yeah. yeah, well, he got a softball. He got a softball the, uh, one, too. Uh, and so, yeah, it was Jamie Bailey's, right? <clears throat> I think so, and yes. And yes, he, it was Jamie yeah, Bailey's. returned it. So we're going to talk about some of those home runs. All right, so let's talk about the regional. Uh, three scores. 
Virginia Tech 15, Wright State 9, Virginia Tech 24, Columbia 4. Oddly enough, Tech was losing 2-1 to one after three innings. <laughs> yeah. Virginia Tech 7, Columbia 2. So that is a combined score of 46-15. to 15 which is video game numbers. Yep. So let's go over the first, let's go over the right state game, Virginia Tech 15, right state nine. Um, I thought the key to that game was Christian Worley coming yeah. in and, and that, that came, that game was back and forth. I was really impressed with Wright state as a hitting team. They can really hit. Yeah. Columbia can really hit. Yeah. Um, that, that's the thing, this, the thing that both of them lacked was pitching, which yeah. is what Gonzaga had, but Gonzaga wasn't a very good hitting and, team. And in the case of and, Columbia. And, and, and in this, I don't think Gonzaga's pitchers made the trip this weekend. Though. That, yeah. Some people expected them to win this the bracket regional. because yeah, because of their pitching, they, they've got right? some good pitching and some good left-handed pitching, right. which, which if Virginia Tech has a weakness, I guess it would be because they have – so many good left-handed hitters, if they face a really good left-handed pitcher, yeah. like you saw in the ACC tournament, it could cause some issues. But Virginia Tech did not have to play Gonzaga, yeah. as it turned out, because they, they lost it's to Columbia like they twice. There. <laughs> yeah, props to Columbia, man. I know that 24-4 to game was, was rough, but but, yeah, but, but they, they came into Blacksburg Columbia and played was, well. Columbia, yeah. I mean, you got to think, Ivy League champs. Yeah. Well, the Ivy League didn't even have – Sports for last like year. one year, last, or yeah, two well, years. So they, they two didn't play ago. two years ago, and then last year they had a twenty game conference. Oh, they did, huh? oh, they, okay. but 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 no non conference. Think but. about that. Twenty games, 20 games in baseball. And baseball's a, baseball's all about rhythm, yeah, man. So these guys, these guys. I mean, I think they finished top fifty RPI. I yeah. mean, I mean, they're they're a solid group, and I know everybody's making fun of them and the left fielder for all those. Outfield yeah. plays. But they also but didn't play under the lights. They, they hadn't played a night game since March nineteenth. <laughs> Okay, so I mean, and and in their first game on Saturday, or excuse me, on Friday when they got to Blacksburg again, it was a night game because the Ivy League doesn't play night games. Right, they play like they don't play Friday night games. They play like double headers on Saturday and uh, Saturday afternoons, and then a single game on on Sunday. So, yeah. I mean, you basically it's just something they weren't used to yeah. is, is catching fly balls in, in, in the lights. And when those balls went up, it wasn't even completely dark. It was kind of twilight, which is probably the toughest time uh, to catch them. Uh, they didn't have any trouble once, once the sun went completely down. Okay. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I, so I thought, I thought Columbia came in. And, Same and with right today. Well. Right. I mean, dude, I, that, that was a long game and, Four hours and like almost four and a half. Well, hours. you got to think. Tech, one of those innings was fifty nine minutes. Again, yes. the right state. Game. Yeah. Well, and Tech threw Drew Hackenberg, mm-hmm. and he was good for three innings, and then Wright State started to hit him. And, and I think that's. I'm interested to see the way John Chef rotates his pitchers this weekend. Yeah. If you know it's going to be, you're playing the same team at least twice, maybe a third game. I would assume, like, if I were the coach, I would. Go back to the normal routine of Green on Friday, Same. Hackenberg on Saturday, just to get them back into that routine. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's two games in a row now where Hackenberg's been okay, and then well, it's two games in a row where where the other team has now seen him more than once. Yeah, North Carolina, you know, he did it, pitch really well against North Carolina in the regular season. Played him in the Got ACC shown. tournament. They had already seen him one time. Yeah, he pitched great against Wright State mm-hmm. in the regular season. They hit him a little more the second time around, wow. so that so that's his next adjustment as a pitcher. Remember, he's only a freshman. Yeah, that's what right. I was going to so say. He's, he's got fr- to adjust. He's got to a lot other, of film on him now, right? So that's kind of what happened to partly the reason the Tech baseball fell off t- last year. Yeah, they yeah. had some rough injuries. Don't get me wrong, but the scouting report got out on those hitters 
and those hitters are hitting every day. Yeah. With Hackenberg, it doesn't catch up to you until you start facing some teams twice, maybe. Yeah. And for a pitcher, that's not going to be till later in the season, or maybe not even until you're a sophomore. In yeah. his case, it was late in the season. I think it'll be a little bit different this weekend. Oklahoma's never seen it before. Yeah. Very so. cool. So back to Christian Worley. Yes. But yeah, well, yes. Well, what else I was going to say, in relief, Worley was the second or third guy the Tech used. Yeah, and he and, went like three and a third or three and yeah, something. Yeah, I think he threw like 60-something pitches, and he was phenomenal. Yeah, he was great, and he's a guy who – for the first half of the season, kind of struggled a little bit, but he seemed to get things under control. He's in the Halifax half County, right? Yeah, I was about to say, behind Mackenzie Lauder, he's the pride of Halifax County. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah he, it's interesting because he, he had a class with my daughter, Annalise, who was a sophomore this year. And she said, oh, yeah, there's, there's a baseball player in my class, Christian something. So so I looked him up, and uh, this, this was probably about three or four weeks ago. I'm like, I oh, didn't play much. You know, he's young. He'll, he'll probably grow and, and be a better player. And then against uh, Wright State, he's he's pitching really well right. lately. And Chef has said that he's really coming along. I think yeah. one of the reasons uh, Virginia Tech improved throughout the course of the year this year is because they had guys get better throughout the course of the year. Yeah. And Warley's one of the prime examples of that. Obviously, uh, the other Christian, Christian Jones, is is another one who uh, Connor, Carson, Carson Jones. Carson, Carson why did I say Christian? Car- uh, I, I do Car- the same thing. Car- you Carson, are forgiven. Carson Jones. Uh, yeah. Obviously, he's the best example, yeah. I guess. But uh, you know, their the, their pitching staff in particular. Uh, I, I think uh, you know, developing a third starter later in the year, getting an extra relief arm or two yep. in there really helped them out. And then Jones obviously just added another big big bat to the lineup so this team as opposed to last year's team which was kind of dropping like flies and you didn't know what pitchers are going to be available on a week-to-week basis this team's been the other way around they've stayed healthy and they've actually added they've added more ammo so to speak throughout the course of the season did we even see Siverling over the weekend no No, he's pitched he's only pitched what two innings yeah interesting yeah Yeah. he and I want to I want to point this out after the top of the fifth it was a 5-5 game. Yeah. I mean, like, it was close. I was sweating. Yeah, yeah. Then the Hokies shelled out five runs. Yeah, Tech and, got up 5 nothing. Yeah, and, and then, then and then they powered back with, with five. I mean, Tech went through six different pitchers, and Worley was the fifth pitcher. Tech right, used. yeah. Um, Weicker was the second. He threw 10 pitches, um, and Tech ended up using him on, on uh, Sunday. Fireved came in through 33 pitches. He looked good. Um, got he got the win. Jonah Herney came in through eight pitches and then was pulled, and then Christian Worley came in through 56 pitches, three and a third inning. Yeah, gave up two hits, a run, and struck out five. Yeah, so and he really he really he stabilized, stabi- he stabilized yeah. everything. Yep. Yeah. All right, so let's move on and talk about the second game and the the trials of whatever his name was out there in left field for Columbia. Um, so again, it was two to one Columbia. Right after after three innings, and then Tech scores fourteen runs in the top of the fourth. Tech was the uh, visiting team in that game, correct? Yes. Um, I if I remember correctly, Tech's at bat took almost an hour. I want to say it, their it half like inning f- was forty eight minutes. As a, and you thought the whole fifty nine minute complete mm-hmm. inning was long the night before, but Virginia Tech's half inning was like forty nine. Like, yeah, it was. Yeah. I'll put it. One guy batted three times. Connor Hardigan. Yeah, how about that? Had three at bats, and Tech hit around once and didn't get out. Right. Like like nine straight hitters. Did Tech not, scored. Yeah. I think yeah. Tech scored every single run in that inning. 
14 runs in an inning with one out. Wow. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that was that was Gavin Cross striking out <laughs> of all the, of all the, people the to get your out, your top ten Gavin draft Cross, picks struck yeah. out. He was the only out in a fourteen run inning. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's impressive. So so some yeah. stats that came out after that, if I'm remembering it correctly, were those are the most runs in a postseason inning in something like twenty two years. Yeah, yeah. LSU had scored more like long time ago. Um, it's not the most ever for Tech in a half inning. They had seventeen runs in a in, a, in an inning. Back in 1989. Now, it's, Chris, it's, it's the most in the ACC era. Yes, definitely. Yes. Um, now, Chris Hirons got got a little bit crossed up on Twitter. He thought that the 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 Howard game that I always talk about back in 1986 it ended up 30 to nothing. That was not 17 runs in one inning. That was 10 runs in one inning. Mm-hmm. So that's just that's just a ton of runs and. and you saw several scores like that around college baseball. I thought yeah. I didn't think anybody would in the regionals or or in the NCAA tournament would score 24 runs in a game until the very next day when Oklahoma State scored 29. Yeah. I don't know who were they 29 playing? 29 to 15. Missouri State. Missouri State. It was M- also- Missouri State got up 12 to nothing yeah. after three innings. Yeah. And then it got outscored 29 to 3 the rest of the game. It, <laughs> it was 29 the to 14 final. Score. Exact yeah. same score as the Oklahoma State Missouri State football game this year. That's, really? That's good that's, trivia, that's man. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I saw yeah. on Twitter I was like, "No way." <laughs> Bringing it from the fourth chair. Um, Tech had ten hits in in that inning. Didn't uh, didn't uh, Columbia walk some horrendous number of batters? Not in that inning, but, but for the whole for game. the whole game. I think they uh, hit three batters in that Columbia, game. Columbia uh, walked fifteen. That's what batters I thought. Fifteen batters and hit over three the more. Course of the game. <laughs> oh, gosh, fifteen batters of the sixty-seven that Columbia pitchers faced walked. Fifteen wow. of sixty-seven. So, yeah, I mean, in that fourth inning. One out of every four and a half. That fourth inning was just nuts. Because they did, they had a, they had, Columbia had two pitching changes in that inning, too. Like just two? Columbia start, the same guy that was already in, came back. He gave up a single. Then there was a wild pitch, so Hardigan advanced to second. He walked to Demartini, and then Bittison was hit by a pitch. So that loaded the bases. <laughs> then Cross struck out. So he got the out. So bases loaded one out. And they switch boom. pitchers. Shovel doubles. That scores three. Oh, bases, bases clearing double. Mm-hmm. And then Hurley singles scoring Shovel. So now it's 5-2. So in, in two batters, Tech just scored five you know, runs. Re, retook the lead. And from there, it was a mess. Then when it was 7-2, Columbia made its next pitching change. And then that was when Demartini tripled. And that cleared the bases, and then Bittison follows it up with a home run. Wow! Uh, after we scored like our eighth or ninth run in that inning, I really had to go to the bathroom. So I'm like, "All right, guys, wrap it up. I think we've got this one on ice here." But no, no, but I, there were I, I powered through it for the entire. And this inning. was the same game that Tech had back to back squeeze months. Yes, that was very oh, cool. That, that, and, and that's, I mean, and Chris wrote about how I, I, I talked about in my article that I wrote about Monday about how what a well-rounded offense this yeah. team is. They can hit for average. They hit a ton of homers, and they can do things like squeeze runners in, boom, back-to-back <laughs> plays. And then, and then the next day, game three, Tech's cleanup hitter Jack Hurley gets a bunt single during the game. Yeah. So th- this is a team that really clicks on all cylinders offensively. They make which makes them a Nightmare matchup for just about any pitching staff in the country because they're just they're good at just about everything. Yeah, that, 
And, and, and they, they, they never, and we've said this on the podcast before, they never feel like any lead is too big for them to overcome. <laughs> Clearly it's not. Yeah. You know what I thought was interesting out of that Saturday game, though? Because Tech scored 14 runs in that inning, and then the game, I don't want to say over, but, I mean, it's hard to come back when you're down by that much. Um, but but that was another game where Griffin Green only threw two innings, gave up five runs. That's another starter. Mm-hmm. And then Jordan Gieber came in stabilized everything. Mm-hmm. And then Tech used Ryan Okuda, Sean Fisher, Grant Umberger, and Brady Kurtner. But that was when the game was put away yeah. for the most part. Just but, getting guys some reps. But, I mean, that's another game where the bullpen, the guys out of the bullpen, and this time it was Jordan Gieber, who's the Sunday starter usually, came in, stabilized the game. And, and I think that is – you're going to face times where you give up some runs in the postseason. You have to have guys that can steady everything. And, and Sunday's game was a bullpen game. Yeah. So talk about the bats all you want. Yes, they were awesome. But, like, the bullpen itself might be the MVP of that series Yeah. for hmm. what they accomplished. Um, I, I mean, they started Mets, and he went four and two-thirds, a career high, and I thought – Pitched outstanding. 80 pitches, yeah. four strikeouts, only gave up gave up three hits in a run. Right. Did a career, great job. Yeah, career high, you know, innings pitched. Mm-hmm. And and he, this is a guy who was a former walk-on. He's a fifth-year guy, right? Fifth-year guy. Yeah. He was a former walk-on when, when Chef took over in 2018, mm-hmm. or that, that first season, 2018. So then Tech, Tech wins, uh, beats Columbia 7-2 to on Sunday to, to, uh, to take the regional. Um, it was 3-1. to one. These are the only notes I have about the game. It's three to one. Then Carson D. Martini blew it up and with a three run homer. Uh, yeah. yeah, correct. Uh, yeah, and then and then Bittison. Then Bittison homers on the next, next pitch. pitch. Right. And I want to ask you: Did you see how hard Gavin Cross swung at the next pitch? Yeah. Oh, he yeah, wanted yeah, to make yeah. it three pitches no, in a row. I, I, will, I will say this: I don't like some people. Like like I guess my dad couldn't watch the game because where he lives, they don't really have a high speed internet. And right. This was an ESPN Plus game. Uh, but that that pitcher that the that Columbia brought in and shut Tech down for a couple innings, he didn't throw oh, hard. Sajan man, yeah, he's got a really odd throwing motion, and it's really I mean sitting first row right behind home plate, it's really difficult to pick up that ball coming off the hand. He's almost got a sidearm throwing motion, except he's throwing from overhand. It's really yeah. hard to explain if you couldn't see it live. Hmm. And he came in and struck out the first batter, which I believe was Demartini. Or no, it was uh, it was Hardigan, and Hardigan is walking back to the dugout, and he talks to Demartini, who's in the on, on deck circle, and he makes this motion with his arm, which is kind of like yeah, it's coming out from over here, but you can't really tell. It's really it's really hard to pick up that ball coming out of his hand. As soon as Tech got through the order one time, and everybody had faced him once, that's when those back to back homers happened. Yeah, because he struck out Hardigan and Demartini back to back to end the inning. Right, and then that bottom of the fourth, he Bittison flew out. He walked cross, but Shovel popped up and Hurley flew out. Mm-hmm. And then when they came around again, Hunter struck out. Jones walked. Malinowski struck out. Hardigan was the first batter to see him again and singled. Singled. And then Demartini three-run homer, mm-hmm. and then Bittison homers. Right. And so Tech finally got a handle yeah, on they just, they just He's just had one of those funky throwing motions that you got to see once to get used to. But he did, And then you can start teeing off on him because the guy didn't throw very hard. And there wasn't much variance in the speed of his pitches either. Yeah. It seemed like his fastball was like 86 and his off-speed was like 82. <laughs> That's right. what it you know looked like watching live. So he's one of those guys that he can make a living pitching – 
through the lineup once, but you don't want to leave him in longer than that is what it seemed like. So that that was a, that was a turning point right there. They probably stuck with him an inning too long. So that's that's awesome that that the baseball team had a pretty easy go of it in in the regional. A lot lot simpler than the softball team did, where yeah. they had to battle Kentucky. Well, mm-hmm. what would have been crazy is if they had, they had lost that twenty four four game because they would have had to play two games on Sunday. That's yeah. what Columbia yep. did, and, yep. and that's what you want to avoid. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, it, it's so much more important in baseball than it is softball. So. All right, so they're moving on, hosting a Super Regional against uh, Oklahoma. Let's see if I can remember. Friday's game is at 3 o'clock. Yep, on ESPN2. On ESPN2, and then Saturday's game is at noon on the U. U. On the U, okay. And then Sunday's TBD. So tickets go on sale, and they go on sale at 10 o'clock yesterday. For all the big, big donors. Yeah, for all the, the certain classes of donors, which are way up. Benefactors there. and things like that. That kind of yeah. thing. And then at uh, uh, noon, your, your regular Ho- Hokie Scholarship Fund donors can log on and, and buy tickets. Now, I learned from buying tickets for softball. Uh, I went on at noon for softball and piddled around and picked four seats and went to complete the transaction and it says those seats are already taken. Mm-hmm. So I knew you had to go you in and wait. be quick. You just got to So Chris pick. is sitting there with me. We pull up the seating chart and Chris is like, those two, and you're going to see us now. on television. They're in the front row, you know, in, in not, not right behind home plate, but to, if you're viewing from center field to the left. So I go, I, I fumble the click in a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. I click and unclick and click and unclick before like I figure gotta, out how you it gotta works. You got to pick select. Right. So, so I got I get my two seats and I go over to check out and and I just I just scan it to make sure everything's okay. I got to enter the CVC the three digit code for my credit card and click boom, got it. No problem. Pro, now yeah. there weren't a whole lot of seats when we first started looking. But we did get those two. They're great seats. And then um I went back in and looked and there were like five singles left and this, by, by like 12 or 3. It was it was that fast. Yeah. Um, so if you were logged in at noon and you took a couple of minutes saying, well, I don't know if I want these seats or that seats, that's where you lost your tickets. Yeah. You have to pick immediately because there are more people logged in to buy tickets than there are tickets available. Yeah. And so a lot of people didn't get tickets. Mm-hmm. And then, um, then Chris discovered something that led to one of the longest message board threads I've ever seen. As of this morning, it was 238 responses. Oh I have not been on the board, so uh, I'm, I'm going to go check that out it's later. It's an enormous thread, and I, I can't remember if it's – I think it's on the subscriber board. I don't think it's ever on the baseball board. Um, a lot of those seats in the reserved area started showing up on StubHub. Mm-hmm. We're talking within half an hour to an hour. And the reason you saw empty seats behind the plate – last weekend for softball and, and baseball and ba- right is because people would would log in and, and get these tickets and, and then immediately list them with no intention of ever going to the game right and i i don't i didn't go through the ticket selection process for uh for softball so i don't know how far down the list it got but it did not you had to be a member of the hokey club to get tickets yeah to the, to the super regional yeah, I mean, I, th- I think even general admission, even tickets. probably even general admission, yeah. um, anything reserved certainly. You, I mean, there it was. It never made it to outside the Hokey Club sales. So these are donors buying up tickets and immediately listing them for resale to make a couple hundred bucks. 
And if I remember correctly, the session tickets were like 85 bucks a piece, yeah, I think, yeah. for, for all three games, if three happen. Right, right, yeah. exactly. So, uh, Section 103. Our this, this is the most e- egregious one. Section 103, <laughs> row E. So, this is three rows behind where you and I are sitting. Uh, two to four tickets for all sessions. They're asking $788 per ticket. Per ticket. $788 each. Uh, general admission, two to four tickets, entire session, $550 each. Uh, and these other general admission tickets, they're asking anywhere from 146 to 178 bucks each. And what were general admission? Like 50 bucks? Something like uh, that. They were less. Now, I've got some other stuff pulled up on my phone here. Now, these are these are just for, for excuse me, Friday's game. So you're not all session, just for Friday. Uh Section 202, 118 each. 102, 129. 135 per ticket. 141 per ticket. 141 per ticket. 165 per ticket. 176 per ticket. The row behind us, 103 row B, $224 per ticket. Those two. So if nobody's sitting behind us at the game, that's why. And you guys paid how much? Uh, I think 85. 85 was face value. Uh, Section 103, row E again, $262 per ticket. Um, is that for one game? This is just for Friday's game. We, we paid 85 bucks for, for a the whole session, series. Yeah. And that's somebody right. wanting 220 for one for game. For one game. And if, if, if last week's regionals and softball or, or any, or any uh, indicator, those tickets are not going to be bought. I had a tech, former tech baseball player hit me up last night. And he, he's, he was a good player for tech. He played in the minors for like six years. Good player. Uh, he was expecting Tech to make Super Regional, so he booked his hotel in advance Yikes. and then couldn't get tickets. And you got these donors who were scalping. And I think when, you, when your school motto is oot prosum, I just think that's bad form to screw Tech fans who actually want to go to the game out of tickets. I mean, you're if, you, if, you, if you're that hard up for cash, you shouldn't even be donating in the first place, right? Yeah. So I just think it's a bad look. And I had a few people come out and say, oh, you should see the prices for UNC and, and Tennessee. Well, we're not UNC or Tennessee. Mm. Stop comparing yourself to those fan bases. Yeah. I mean, this is for, – for a limited seating event, I, I just think it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's, so this is, this is the first time the school has ever been to Super Regionals and you're 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 going to screw over other tech fans who actually want to go to the game. And I, like I just you think said, that's poor form. These aren't like bots or like professional scalpers that yeah, are out you, front of the football games. These are the donors that you, are doing you, this. you have to be a member of the Hokie Club. Yeah. To get these tickets. Yeah. So this isn't someone who like cr- like coded a bot to go and buy like 10 tickets yeah. and then is trying to resell them. No, that's so that's what makes this all more wrong. Right. Yeah, wrong, and, and, and I'm 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 a big that. believer in capitalism and, and yeah. everybody's right to make money, but um, so this is not something I'm irate about. I just think that's pretty on goal. Yeah, I just yeah. think it's a poor form. Yeah. Um, I, it's it's like it's skeevy. It's, so it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, and, and the thing is, they're not going to make money off of it. Uh. Not that much. Yeah, they're no certainly gonna not going to sell. Well, I mean, there's so many empty seats on television. Yeah. For 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 the last, for the softball and for regionals last week that you clearly those tickets are not getting sold. Yeah. So it's people who have enough money that they could 
risk buying tickets and not selling them and then be like, oh, well, I didn't need that money anyway. I just did it so maybe I could make a couple hundred bucks. And that, that's like, that's just completely screwing over fans who actually want to go. So it's quite possible that some of the people that did that are listening to this podcast, but you know, that's, that's the way it is. That's the way we that's feel. That's how I feel about it. Well, yeah. when you posted that screenshot yesterday, that was for one game, right? The screenshot you posted? I don't remember. For, I think it was for one game. I think you're right. I think it was for Friday's it, game. The average price has dropped $50 since that. Yeah, ma- imagine that. Nobody's, so you yeah. have... So, I don't know. StubHub, work. Do you set the price for your tickets you, yourself? Yeah, on you said, and if nobody's buying them, you can drop the price and everything like that. So, I mean, they'll drop these $788 tickets are not going to stay $788 no. all week. At, at least if the person who's buying them pays any attention, yeah. who bought them paid and listed them paid, pays any attention. Um, I don't know. And I, I, I see people again, I see people saying you should see the UNC and Tennessee prices. Well, stop comparing yourself to, the UNC fan base, which supports athletic programs that that don't go to class, right, right, and stop comparing yourself to Tennessee fans, which has got to be the biggest loon fan base I've ever seen. Well, they're expecting. Uh, we are Virginia kids. Tech fans. You should hold yourself to a higher standard when your school motto is "Oop Prosum," and you should look out for. I mean, you should think about your other other fans that actually want to go to the game, and in yeah. cases I, of this is a, I'm sure this you, may never happen again. Yeah. I'm sure you guys all have friends. I mean, I had friends texting me last night. Oh, I couldn't get a ticket. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. So that stinks. Um, anyway, but so you know, I don't want to harp on that for too long because I don't like talking bad about about the fan base, about any fans. And this is obviously a very, very small percentage of the fan base. Yeah. But it really rubbed me the wrong way. But that's all I'm going to say about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't like it either. Um, so, David, I tasked you with doing some research on Oklahoma. Um, let's not turn this into a half hour thing. Kind of, kind of give us the gist of it. Like in, in the conversation about the regional, I noticed that good left-handed pitching can be a problem for Virginia tech. So kind of like, how deep do you think Oklahoma staff goes? How well do they hit as a team? Are they particularly gifted defensively? Kind of give us the rundown. Can we, can I ask you guys a question before we get into this? Uh, I was talking about this with some friends the other day. This Virginia Tech, not counting the softball super regional and super regional that the softball team just hosted this year, this is the biggest Virginia Tech sporting event in Blacksburg since what? This is a team with a chance to go actually compete for a national championship, and they're playing at home. 2005 Miami football game. Last week's super original softball. Well, I said without, well, yeah. without, oh, 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 I said without, without that, that because okay, that's okay, obvious, okay. and they were uh, you know the number three seed in the country. Two thousand seventeen Clemson football game. As far as bigness of the occasion, because hmm. Virginia Tech was ranked. Thought we were ranked tenth. Yeah, tenth for that football. It was a game. top ten game. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty good. I think I think it's it's just an interesting conversation. Like this is this you you could. Go back even even farther. I, we were talking about, um, you know, just some of the biggest things Virginia Tech has hosted. So what were some here. of the things tossed up in there? Uh, uh, we were talking about a team with a legit chance to win a national championship playing in Blacksburg. Yeah. 2003 men's soccer, when men's soccer hosted the Elite Eight here. Right. Um, wow. Right. Um, you know, you could you could mention like women's basketball hosting an NCAA tournament, but did they have a legit chance to win the national championship? Right. Probably not. Yeah. Um, 
you know, obviously baseball hosted regionals. Okay, yeah, legit chance to win a national title. Throw out my 2017. Yeah, it's Clemson. It's game. a so very right. 2005. I don't know. What if Tech wins that game? They didn't have the firepower to win a national yeah, title. I think, yeah, they I think right, like right. the 2005, 2003 football teams. You 2005 might have Miami game is probably the right what answer. What about 07 BC? Yes. Because you win that that's game. Yeah, really, you win that game and you get you get your rematch with LSU who had beaten Tech by 40. Yeah. yeah. But my point is it's a yes. this is a historic occasion never really seen in a long, long time in Blacksburg. And like the, Virginia Tech – this is a team that could potentially, as you wrote this week, could go to Omaha and potentially win yes. the College World Series. Yes. Like they're that good. Yeah. And this is not something you see around Blackster every single This is time. not a fluke. No. We didn't fluke our way into hosting Super Regionals. We were a dominant team. And, and, uh, and Tennessee is good, but they're not the equivalent of Oklahoma softball. Where, uh, I think they might be. Uh, Oklahoma uh, softball's run-rolling people like 40 times a game. Tennessee or, trailed Georgia Tech this past week. They have two weekend. losses this year, Oklahoma softball. And they've run rolled 40 teams. UCLA this weekend. Yeah. And then they beat UCLA the next game in the doubleheader. 15 enough. 15 enough. Yeah. 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 Tennessee's yeah. Tennessee okay. good, but they're not that good. For baseball, for men's sport, Tennessee's, I think, is about yeah. as dominant as it gets. Because they hit the ball as well as Virginia Tech, but their team ERA is under three yeah that's frightening but but, but, yeah, but I, I we'll just, cross that bridge if I, I just wanted to bring this up yeah. because you don't see this often at all and, and and when you think about it in terms of tickets ticket like we were just having that conversation about tickets like this is a valuable game that oh. like you like this entire weekend this this is this one is of the, the most, toughest ticket for a sporting event at virginia tech since that miami game in my yeah. opinion hmm. and and that's one of the reasons I bring it up because this isn't this is a historic weekend right. in Blacksburg. Last, the past, the softball weekends were big as well. You know, this is a a Virginia Tech softball team that has now done it two years in a row, going to the super regional and hosted this year. But this this is a Virginia Tech baseball team that is also rolling right now, and as we'll talk about in a sec, has a legit chance to beat a really good Oklahoma team. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I guess I was so caught up in the drama of trying to buy tickets in time that I didn't grasp the enormity of the fact that I had to go that fast. Mm -hmm. That says something about the event. Yeah. yeah. Um, so tell us about uh, tell us about Oklahoma. So Oklahoma, they're forty and twenty one. They were fifteen and nine in the Big Twelve this year. They are the Big Twelve tournament champions. Okay. They beat Texas uh, eight to one. Uh, in that game, in the Big 12 championship game. Um, to give you perspective of overall Oklahoma, Virginia Tech had seven players on the all-ACC teams this year. Oklahoma had eight on the all-Big 12 teams. Hmm. So um, uh, their team ERA oh, – actually, let me get to this first. Virginia Tech put up, as we said earlier, 46 runs in the Blacksburg Regional, allowed 15 Floor, uh, Oklahoma put up 32 runs in the Gainesville Regional and allowed 18. So not, you know, against who they were playing, they didn't put up uh, huge numbers. In terms of home runs, and this goes to show you just how great Tech hits the ball home run-wise, Tech has 118 home runs, Oklahoma has 63. They only have one guy with double-digit home yeah, runs. Yeah. Is one, Tech number two in the country in home runs? I think they are. Uh, uh, home runs per game, I think they're like third or fourth. I put it in my article. So, so in terms of... In terms of team ERA, Oklahoma's team ERA is 5.45. Texas, 4.21. Hmm. Um, in terms of uh, strikeout percentage, strikeouts per nine innings, walk percentage, walks per nine innings, they're all – Tech and Oklahoma are about the same. Um, 
Team batting average, Tech is 313, Oklahoma is 296. Just to, to give, give you a sense. And this, I, I wrote this down because it was, I figured we would get to talking about Tennessee. This was a while ago, it was back in March, but this Oklahoma team faced Tennessee, lost 8 nothing. Mm-hmm. And the one of the, the guys who I'm sure Tech will see this weekend, his name's Chaz Martinez, he started that game, uh, gave up five hits and five runs and was pulled. And Oklahoma only had five hits that entire game. Uh, Oklahoma, yeah, I, I looked at their schedule. They're 15-10, and 10, including regionals uh, versus teams in the tournament. Yeah. Who made the tournament. I didn't go as far to see who they've played that advanced to supers, but 15-10 and 10 in the whole field of 64. Yeah. They, they can kind of – they've got – it's kind of a very similar setup to Tech where they've got guys that will start Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday – They've got a guy who could start, or they potentially would go bullpen. Their yeah. their arms. I think the that describes both most teams. Yeah. Well. I, yeah. Yeah. I think it, this is a very, very even matchup. I would say. I think Tech probably has the advantage because it's Virginia Tech's hitting. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, Oklahoma is a good hitting team. Yeah. Without much power, they can they can manufacture runs. Uh, but Tech is an elite hitting team across the board. And Tech's pitching staff, I would say, is a little bit deeper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Oklahoma has four guys hitting above 300. Uh, Tech has... Uh, seven. Seven? Seven, so I Tech believe. has seven guys hitting above 330. Yes. Uh, Oklahoma has, to give you a perspective of in, ter- in terms of their runs, um, Oklahoma's f- same four best hitters that hit above 300 are the four guy, only four guys on the team that have more than 42 RBIs this year, 42 or more. Uh, Virginia Tech has seven guys with 42-plus RBIs. Now, ironically, the statistically, the best player, or best hitter, I should say, uh, on each team that's not a pitcher is the team shortstop, I would say. Tanner Schobel, we know how good he is. He leads Virginia Tech in RBIs. He's got 73 on the year. Mm. And um, uh, Graham, Peyton... Uh, Peyton I don't maybe I spelled this wrong. Um, <laughs> Graham for Oklahoma. Uh, he's their their star shortstop. Ironically, he and Tanner Schobler are two of the six guys that earned uh, or were on the uh, the Brooks Wallace Award for the nation's top shortstop. For the, for the he award. was yeah. first team All Big Twelve, Big Twelve Championship Most Outstanding Player. Um, he's hitting three thirty eight this year. Golden Spikes Award watch list. Um, he's their go-to guy. He's the only guy with – he's got 19 home runs. Nobody else has double digits for Oklahoma. Interesting. Wow. So it's it's very – again, as Chris said, they're probably not as deep pitching-wise. In terms of hitting, they've got guys that can hit the ball, but they're not necessarily hitting for power. They get on base. Um, so – it's a really good team, and I think like defensively they're they're pretty solid. Um, they're they're pitchers. They've got um, a couple guys that are really good. Like Jake Bennett, I think is their ace, if that's what you want to call he's him. He's a left-hander. He's got a three point mm. six nine ERA. Okay. Um, so he's he's really good. And and that's that's the matchup to uh, to keep an eye on. I don't I don't know whether he's going to pitch Friday or Saturday. Probably Friday, but. Uh, if Tech can beat him, if they can beat Oklahoma's left-handed ace, because remember Tech's got a left-handed heavy lineup, uh, if they can beat Oklahoma's left-handed ace, 
and then get to the righties for the rest of the weekend, that's, a, good. That, that's a great yeah. sign. Peyton, yeah. Peyton Graham, he's the guy. Um, so, yeah, Oklahoma, I don't – again, their, their team ERA is a little bit higher. Um, but they've got – They've got a couple couple different guys that they can they can throw in, and their arms are for the most part um, pretty experienced. Though they do have a, a handful of fresh, you know, they had three freshmen make the all freshman mm-hmm. team in the Big Twelve. Um, so it's uh, it, it'll be really interesting. I think it'll be a pretty even matchup across the board. I, I think I think Oklahoma's a very good team. I don't think I mean all this statistical data you could pull suggests that they're not as good as Virginia Tech. Yeah. That said, they are good enough to take two out of three they from Virginia Tech enough, because yes. this is baseball, yeah. Yeah. and that's just the nature of the sport. Uh, so if Virginia Tech makes it through, it's another big accomplishment for the program. Uh, I will point out that, you know, before before regionals this past weekend, uh, Oklahoma was 8-7 and seven on the road this year. And yes. Virginia Tech is 32-5. and five. 30- 32 32 and five and five at home. At home. Right, right. So, so now Oklahoma went three and one uh, over the weekend, including two out of three against Florida. So they so they played three true road games over the weekend in regionals, plus a neutral matchup against whatever whatever other team they played. Yeah. So they are now. I think O is Liberty. Yeah, it was Liberty. So they are ten and eight on the road this year in true road games. Yeah. And, and Virginia it, Tech is tw- thirty two and five at home. Yeah, like. It's baseball. You never know what's going to happen. But considering the home record for Virginia Tech, the road record for Oklahoma, and digging through all the statistical data, I would say there's a 70% chance Tech gets through. Yeah. I was going to say 65%. Yeah. Somebody, somebody ran the uh, – there's this uh, a guy on Twitter who runs the analytics. Actually, I retweeted it earlier. Um and he gave Tech, I think, a 68% chance oh, to damn, win. I was close. Um, there you go. I said 65%. 65%. Yeah, you guys are both in the ballpark. I think, and and to your point, it's going to come, I, I think, as we saw, I think Virginia Tech's bullpen, just like this past weekend, is going to be crucial. Mm-hmm. And I think it's even more important that Griffin Green, Drew Hackenberg kind of get off all, on the right foot. But you know what might be the uh, a thing that could swing the series is the is the fans the crowd? I mean that if you have three thousand, four thousand people in English Field, it'll be um, over four thousand. They had four thousand. I didn't check the attendance levels for this past weekend, but I know. But I, I know there it, were. It didn't 4, reach four thousand. It did not. I, I thought they said for a while. I've, I've, I've watched some of East Carolina, Virginia, and the East Carolina fans were outstanding. They are loud. Yeah, and I watched some of Oklahoma State and who I think it was Oklahoma State and whoever Arkansas, they were playing. The last game was yes, bonkers. Now, yeah. That crowd was nuts. Those yeah. are baseball oh, the Arkansas, fan bases whose baseball teams have been good for quite yeah, a while. Yeah, so they know. <laughs> so, so the recorded attendance for the Sunday game was twenty six hundred two six six three. Really. So. So, yeah, I, I think it'll be it seemed so, like a lot more than that. Yeah, it. I, but to my point, I think, you know, this is Virginia Tech has an opportunity to do something it's never done before. And it's not like it's backs against the wall. It is in a good position to do so. Yes. You're playing at home. You're the better team. You've got some of the best talent that's ever walked through this program. Mm-hmm. You know, can you take that next step and get to a college world series? Right. Yeah, and uh, I think the atmosphere is going to be great. Um, And let me say this about regionals this past weekend. If you go back to the last time, the only other time Virginia Tech hosted regionals back in 2013, the crowd was great on Friday night. 
but it stunk the rest of the weekend. Well, Tech lost. They did lose the first game, but the fans didn't show up the rest of the yeah, weekend. Yeah, so remember, you know? I looked these numbers yeah. up, and I remember them. The, the, the attendance for that Friday night game was over 3,000. Mm-hmm. And then on Saturday, it was 1,800, and Sunday, it was 1,200. Right. So the fan base bailed. Bailed. And from what we understood at the time, that was one of the reasons Pete Hughes left. He's like, we had a great season. And they showed up one night, and because we lost game one game, they just bailed on us. Yeah. So he bounced to Oklahoma, first offer he got yeah. after that. You know, They didn't bail. I mean, yes, Tech won the first game, but the crowd was good the whole weekend. It was consistent yeah. the whole weekend. Yeah. So that's a good that, that's Plus, a good Plus, you know, uh, Atlantic Union Bank Park and English Field has, yes, has become it's a, a, big it's a great place to yeah, watch a it, game. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it looked – obviously wasn't there, but – I mean, every every angle they kind of showed on on TV, except I was watching, for what was right behind the plate, was <laughs> filled up. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean the the terrace, third baseline, the terrace. Yeah, yeah all, everywhere down the third baseline. I mean, the grass was. Hey, was so packed. let me throw this out there. Um, I don't want to start a mob scene, but you know, you can watch the game from outside the fence yeah. on the third baseline. And there's some people that are doing that. I mean, you get a great view. You can also it. sit you on the hill. Up. There's some people. There's two trees out there, and some people have set a hammock up. Yeah. Between the two trees. Yeah. 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 So there's. What you, about? I was asking. I wanted to ask you how many people were behind the home run fence on that hill, but next to Jumbotron. It was not. It was a decent amount i didn't really pay a lot of attention to to, to it from out there uh, but you but, could do but, that too if you want to yeah you can do that so <laughs> there are places if you, if you can't get a ticket get there early and get a spot in the front row right behind the fence behind third base yeah that's good behind, uh, you good have seat. a great view of the game it's a good view from out it there. really is yeah, yeah. We're, we're not you have to look through a fence but it's you pretty good well, i have to look through a fence that's right that is true you to look, yeah. Yeah. bring a camp no, chair do whatever you yeah. want yeah but you know we we were uh the day that I think it was a softball regional weekend. We went over and watched some of Tech playing Duke over at English Field. And on the walk over, I noticed that outside that fence on that third baseline, you got a good view of the game. Mm-hmm. So um, pile in, man. Everybody, everybody oh, yeah. show The best up. part is you can bring a cooler with whatever drinks you whatever want. Whatever you That's want. True. <laughs> right. That's true. And, you know, 3 o'clock game, it's not quite as good a tailgating opportunity if it was a 7 o'clock game, but – you can make a but nice day. It's a reason to get out of work on Friday. It's a reason to not work on Friday. Yeah. And was there? Was yeah, it, you can. Uh, and people always say, "Oh, the the spring game. It, it's like if you're off your game because you haven't tailgated in five months. It's a chance to practice. This is a chance. Before, this is another chance to get back on your tailgating game. How, how was it? Were, the, the were there season. good tailgates on on this past I'm weekend not sure for I regional? Went P, I went to PK. So, okay. Hey, good sure. choice. <laughs> I, th- I think this week though, we'll, I'll, I'll be. Uh, Trying to hunt down a tailgate or maybe have my own. Who knows? So Friday, high of 77. There is very little chance of rain during the day, but at night it increases to 60% at night. Oh, that's fine. The the game will be over by 7. We hope so. And then uh, Saturday, and I'm going by the weather.com app, which my wife hates. She always tells me to use AccuWeather, but, you know, here I am. Uh, Saturday, high of 74, uh, 24% chance of rain during the day. Remember, that's a noon game. Mm -hmm. So and and it's twenty four percent chance all day. What long. was the high on Saturday? Seventy four. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Mostly cloudy, slight chance of a rain shower. So yeah, that, that should, should be good weather for yeah. A, yeah. For so I I uh, I use weather.gov because it kind of shows you how the rain goes up and down throughout the weekend. I tweeted this yesterday. Um, it, it shows a slight chance of rain around eight o'clock on Friday night, and okay. that's and then and then it goes up to just a chance of rain, kind of up until two in the morning on 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 between Friday and Saturday, then it's likely an, it'll rain probably through the morning. Um, but you got to remember, this is also a turf field. 
yeah. and they'll put a thing. Field's over, not a problem. They'll yeah. put a thing over the mound, and it'll be great weather for the rest. Even, of the even the dirt is synthetic on that field. I don't know yeah. if it, if you if you ever get a chance to go on that field, pick up some of the the dirt. Yeah, it feels really funny. Yeah, in interesting. Hand. Yeah, so all right. Should be great weather. Should be it should be a, a great weekend. We you know hope hope it ends up successful for the Hokies. So we're going to toss it over to Nick over in the fourth chair. We we've been going for like almost an hour and forty five here. So what you a lot got to Nick? talk about? Uh, I wanted to give a big first shout out to Brady Kurtner, the Christiansburg native. Uh, he redshirted. And, <laughs> and he got the final two outs in the twenty four to four game. So that was super cool That's for right. him. I know. Uh, um, uh, Coach Chef afterwards said something about him. And His mom started following great. me on Twitter yesterday. So. Yeah, so. By the way, if you're watching on YouTube, Nick has a uh, VTSMA sweatshirt on, Sports Media and Analytics Program. So I like the old school font. Very That's nice. Uh, sponsored by the Southwest Virginia store. Very nice. You did well. I'm jealous. Um, <laughs> uh, someone else also mentioned you are talking about great moments that hosted uh, women's soccer elite eight versus yeah. Santa Clara. Right. That's There's true. another yeah. good one. Um uh, but I also want to talk a little bit about baseball. So uh, the ACC went 18 and 12 over the weekend. Only four teams advanced. Four teams. But Out I mean, think nine. about it. That, that's, we'll call it the Sweet 16, which is in effect what Super yeah. Regionals are. That's 25% of the Sweet 16. Yeah, that's pretty good. So it's, so, it's, so it's that's, Virginia that's, Tech, North Carolina, Notre Dame, and who? Louisville. Louisville. Louisville will uh, have so to go to Texas A&M. Notre Dame's got to go to Tennessee. Go Irish. Yeah. And then um, and, and then the last North one. North Carolina hosts North Arkansas. Carolina will get to host again. I, I, I don't – I mean, yes, Virginia Tech needs to kick, take care of business. I don't care if you hate Notre Dame. I personally don't, but I, if you do, I don't care. You need to be rooting for them. Well, you need far. Tennessee so, to be eliminated. Right, well, right. here's your reason. So Georgia Tech was up 5-3 in game one of – the two that the necessary was have been the two right uh they're up five three entering the top of the ninth wow tennessee got rolling they won the game nine to six well the guy hit the go-ahead home run or whatever uh and was rounding the base and was giving the georgia tech outfielders the finger all the way around <laughs> yeah 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 so i mean you don't i feel like people that hate notre dame i don't understand if you're a tech fan you should hate tennessee yeah you should more. hate tennessee way more than notre dame because the <laughs> players act like that yeah well and you yeah. have more there's more history between between tech and tennessee i don't know whatever so that's your reason right there they give the outfield imagine they play battle field. at bristol but they play baseball there that's interesting <laughs> oh my god they play baseball <laughs> in, in bristol motor speedway no. where's the ball <laughs> um but yeah, so then we talked about how uh, John Chef's also first win came down at the Coastal Carolina tournament, fourteen to six over Oklahoma. Yeah, so this would be pretty his first ever Virginia Tech cool win to see that. It's funny. Come all uh, full circle. Full circle. Uh, and then the other game back in nineteen seventy eight, Tech won four to two, two to one. And I was fully prepared. Florida had the lead going into the eighth. I had a tweet mm. drafted. I was fully prepared talking <laughs> about Virginia Tech's woes against Florida, and I still I want know. to say this. Virginia Tech in head-to-head games has not won the last meeting against Florida in any sport. Yeah, and, and we so lose I was basketball really players to him. But we lost uh, Ja'Cory Patterson Ja'Cory to Patterson, them. right. Super regionals. Uh, I was secretly hoping for Florida instead of Oklahoma because yeah. I felt like we really owed them one. <laughs> We're due, as I say. Yeah. Law of averages has to come back in our oh, favor yeah. sometime, Well, it, right? it's weighing heavily after yeah. – after, after, Dorian Finney-Smith, Jalen Hudson went to Florida. Uh, Kerry Blackshear yeah. went to Florida. 
But what the, what is that? But yes, yeah, so women's, Patterson. women's basketball lost their last meeting, got annihilated by Not Florida. Knocked men's basketball out men's of the Men's basketball. Men's basketball. Of softball. course, softball. Um, I even went back. Oh, shoot. Oh, yeah. Volleyball back in 2001. Lost 0-3-0 <laughs> sets. Got swept. Jeez. And then football in 1985. They've played twice. One was in the 50s in the 1985. I, th- I think Emmett Smith was playing for Florida back then in yep, 1985. Yep. So I think so, I hate Florida now, too. So, yep. There you go. <laughs> and then, but uh, so I, I was secretly hoping it would be them. Because yeah. we owe them a lot. Yeah. So uh, I had but, that tweet. I was like, oh. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I was, I was. I was walking to the gym and keeping the game uh, on my phone, and it went into a weather delay. Yeah. God, and it stayed in a weather day f- delay it was like for two or three hours. hours. Yeah, it was a long, a long time. time. So, like, I kept checking and I kept checking it. Delay, delay, delay. Then I eventually forgot about it. And then I checked it late last night and saw that uh, Oklahoma had won. But that was an exciting game in the late innings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then my last uh, two stats um, there's eight 20 plus run games. This, like, a team scored 20 plus runs this past week in all of oh this wow. past week eight okay. games uh and virginia tech was second and scored runs this weekend behind auburn who had 51 yeah. they went 19 auburn played florida 21 state and then 11 yeah they auburn smacked florida state, florida state. Hmm. 21 to 7 and That's then beat uh yeah, <laughs> yeah darn <laughs> and they have they have a parking garage i saw a picture about them they have a parking garage I, yeah. like going down the third baseline and it was Filled with people watching this the game. Is at Auburn? Really? No, they, That's uh, cool. Those colleges in the Deep South take their uh, baseball very seriously. They take yeah. golf sports remember, very seriously. I, I remember being <laughs> no, they don't. Listen to this story. I remember. <laughs> I remember being. Uh, I, I was down in Atlanta for the Chick Fil A Bowl against uh, Tennessee, Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Yeah, two, this was 2006, and this was after the game. Uh, like the next day, I'm, I'm, at, I'm at a bar, and there's a Clemson fan sitting next to me random Clemson fan there and uh, he, we were talking about football of course because obviously football is very important to Clemson and then we started talking about basketball and uh, he was like ah, we, we don't really I don't care about basketball I'd rather win baseball games and, hmm. and that's how a lot of those deep south teams yeah. feel the, uh, they would rather I mean basketball makes them more money because of television contracts but I bet I, I bet it's some places you could see for like a really big baseball game you could see more people in attendance at a bat than you do with like a regular basketball, game. basketball game. I think I I think it was Auburn that I saw this their their stadium holds 7,000 fans yeah. and that's that's common. And they have people outside the stadium right too. yeah right yeah. that's crazy uh and then of course Virginia Tech is gonna be the highest ever uh, finish in the Directors Cup um great yeah. season athletic Texas has the chance to win uh, to tie the record for most national championships in a year. Really? They have four so far. Wow. And so if they win ba- they have to win baseball and softball, but they do have the chance. They've and they won- upsetted Stanford's so, 25 straight years right. of winning it. So yeah. te- so Texas is like Virginia Tech on steroids right now. Yes. Like historically awesome at football and not yeah. meh, not good right of, now. I mean, not saying they're bad or anything no, else, but but you, yeah. they're known for football, right? And now they can't win football games, at least not nearly as enough as many as Texas should be winning. But they're awesome at everything else. Yeah. So so in case you you missed it, uh, Stan, Nick said that Stanford won twenty five straight directors cups, and Texas won won it last year. This year they've won it this year, and that they did they, they win it last year. Uh, yeah, I think I think the team? string got broken last year. Yeah. Um, somebody's got to do that research. So Texas has this year uh, two of the champ- national championships. Texas has won. 
men's golf and rowing. Yeah. Hey, men's golf is actually very impressive. That was a big Stanford. See, now we got to look this up before we before we sign off. Uh, <laughs> two zero two twenty twenty dash twenty one. You know who's got a computer? Y'all don't have I got this it. on your phone. I'm looking around. Oh, not that one. Notre Dame's also in the well, not in the running, but right now they're ranked fourth. Oh, and women's tennis. And then I think outdoor track and field was their fourth national championship. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, you were right. Texas did beat them last year. Did beat them last year. Yeah. Okay, broke their string. How about that, though? I mean, I get hired and Virginia Tech goes off and has its greatest year of sports ever. Yes, yes, yes. We're doing That's your right. employee review soon, and you will you get can, a you can put that on your handsome yeah. raise. <laughs> All right, folks, we got to sign off. We've been at it for, like, I think an hour and 15 minutes, so – Thanks for uh, listening and or watching and uh, appreciate everybody's expert input uh, to bolster my mediocre hosting. And uh, that's, this has been tech sideline podcast Two Forty. Appreciate it. And we'll see you again soon.